Hello everybody. Uh, once again, it's my joy to invite you to be a part of these studies from the book of Revelation. So far we have looked at seven and today we will go to part eight. So welcome and thank you for joining me. So now the book of Revelation introduces us to a number of key players that will be involved with the countdown as it were to the visible and real return of Jesus to the earth. In our last study together, we examined the identity and nature of the ministry of the two witnesses. We are told that they will bring about the restoration of all things in Israel. Jesus said that as he spoke of Elijah. He will come, he said, and he will restore all things. This process of restoration is already unfolding in that the physical return of the Jewish people to their ancient homeland is now well underway. The Bible confirms that the Jewish people will return in unbelief and then by virtue of a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit initiated by Moses and Elijah. There will be a great spiritual revival in Israel, paving the way for the return of the Messiah. Wonderful, wonderful days lie ahead. This is the clear teaching of Scripture and of Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10 in particular. Listen to these words. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. All of this then brings into focus the foundational role that the Jewish people have played out in God's plan for world redemption. Jesus actually said in John chapter 4 and verse 22 that salvation is of the Jews. It is to be noted that he used the word Jews in the plural, meaning that the historical journey of the Jewish people has been pregnant with the purpose of God for the world. Paul confirms this in his Roman epistle. In chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2, he tells us that from the Jewish people we have received the word of God. How wonderful the word of God is. He puts it so quaintly in a way. He says they have been the custodians of the oracles of God. How wonderful the word of God is. We have been enriched by it. We have been blessed by it. It has brought the knowledge of salvation to our hearts and lives. The word of God has built us up in times of trouble. It has encouraged us. What a wonderful book the Jewish people have given to us. In chapter 9, verses 1 to 5, he tells us that everything that we enjoy as Christian people in terms of the covenants of God, the glory of God by which we understand his character, the great men of God, the apostles of God, and even our great Messiah, the Lord Jesus, all of these, he tells us, are Jewish. 
And of course, in chapter 15 and verse 27, he tells us that we are indebted to them because we share in their spiritual things, the things we enjoy that pertain to our great salvation are not ours. They are Jewish. They've been brought to us by the purpose of God through the people of Israel. How wonderful these things are. And this is exactly the truth that the chapter now before us, that is chapter 12 of Revelation, seeks to bring to our lives. So my first point is this, a pregnant woman. I'm going to read to you a short passage from chapter 12. And we begin at verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. John sees a pregnant woman clothed with the sun and the moon and with a garland of 12 stars around her head. She is pregnant, we are told, with a male child. And this male child is destined to rule the nations with a rod of iron. The imagery is taken actually from Genesis chapter 37. It's not a mystery. It comes straight out of the book of Genesis, where Joseph has a dream of his mother and his father, the sun and the moon, and his 11 brothers with himself, the 12th, as a garland. And so we are certain about the identity of this pregnant woman who appears in chapter 12 of John's Revelation. The woman is then Israel, without a doubt, and she exists mainly for the purpose of bringing a redeeming male child into the world. He alone is the key to global salvation, global peace, and real global government based on true righteousness and justice. Only when he comes will the world know the blessedness of rest from conflict and war. And he is carried, as it were, in the historical journey of the Jewish people. Of course, his name is Jesus. And this has been the historical journey that she was called to walk through so that everything in this journey, the giving of the word of God, the great prophets, apostles, gave to Jesus of Nazareth biblical credentials by which he could verify his ministry 
and his redeeming work on behalf of the world. So the Jewish people have in fact birthed for the world the written word of God and the living word of God over a period of 2,000 years. And by these, the nations of the world have been greatly blessed, civilized, and countless millions have been redeemed from the ravages of sin. Indeed, we are greatly indebted to the Jewish people. And we should always comfort and come alongside them as they move toward the completion of their global mission by which the great love of God has in Christ been made available to the world. When John sees Israel as a pregnant woman, he observes and understands her mission appropriately. How sad it is that many haven't. They've never understood the very reasons why God, the God of the Bible, called the nation of Israel into existence by Abraham, a pregnant woman. The second thing that John sees in this chapter is a diabolical dragon. And uh, we read that. Almost immediately, John sees another great sign in that he beholds a great fiery red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and seven diadems standing before the woman to oppose her, devour her child, and resist her unique role in the earth. This is no secret again. This imagery comes from the book of Daniel, where you have this, this picture of this uh, statue that he sees in chapter 2. And, uh, and it's an amazing picture of uh, ten kingdoms and uh, this dragon and his purpose in opposing the nation of Israel through history. So the symbolism means that behind the seven great empires of history that have opposed the Jewish people has actually been the devil. These empires have changed in outward appearance but the same sinister, evil being has been pulling the strings behind the scene. And these empires are the following. Egypt, Syria, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece and Rome. The latter, that is Rome, is the most dangerous as it has longevity, according to Daniel. It splits into two, the two legs of a statue. And finally, it comes down to ten toes, representing ten global regions of the earth. This is nothing short of global government. That will be satanic. That will oppose Israel. And the seven diadems are the leaders of these empires. One of these, my friends, will be the great Antichrist. We will have more to say about that in our next study. Do not miss it. It is very, very important.
The lesson we have, therefore, to learn is actually very clear. And uh, it is this. Because of the unique role given to the Jewish people to be the vehicle of world redemption, the devil and his hordes have set out to oppose this divine initiative by seeking to liquidate them. This is the testimony of history right up until the present day. Even after the woman gives birth to the male child, we are told that the dragon realizes that her role will still be a key one in that she will bring the male child back to the earth to evict him and to rule the nations. Until that day comes, the powers of darkness and those who cooperate with them will unite in an effort to destroy the nation of Israel. We have to know that. There will be no relenting in this struggle. We see it all the time. But the real nature of this unending conflict has been observed in the Holocaust of the Second World War. It is there that you see the face of evil in a way we've never seen it before, as you gaze into the ovens of Auschwitz-Birkenau, you see the dragon and those who cooperate with him. This, my friends, is a very real spiritual battle that sadly also rages in the church. And so God draws John's attention to it. We must take note. We must resist anti-Semitism in all its forms and stand with Israel as she journeys into her final great battle of history. The message from Revelation 12 is clear. And it's this. The devil certainly hates the church and has resisted her and sadly, has even infiltrated her. But he hates Israel more because she is the matrix of all things redemptive. This great well of salvation that has been given to the world that retrieves men and women from the clutches of the devil has come out of the nation of Israel. She is the matrix of all things. Redemptive. Many Christians have never understood this message because they never study the book of Revelation. Indeed, many in the church, sadly, have joined with the dragon in this never-ending war against the Jews. Brings me to my final point. A great warrior angel. In chapter 12 verses 7 to 12 we have recorded the fact that John is also introduced to the true nature of spiritual conflict in that great unseen powers of darkness are orchestrating events 
on earth, especially those that have to do with Israel and the church. Michael, the great archangel of God, most high, engages these dark demonic elements in war and we are told overcomes them. They are defeated, thrown to the earth, but they do have one last ace to play. More about that in our next study. The church on the earth will have to be drawn into this final struggle. Final, great, immense struggle. How? By prayer, the proclamation of truth, standing with Israel and with full unswerving dedication to Christ. Those in the church and who are faithful will overcome. And we are told that they will do this by the blood of the Lamb the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. And this alone tells us that what is approaching is a battle of huge proportions. My friends, today the house of Israel has returned from the nations. Jerusalem is once again under Jewish sovereignty, and thus the stage is set for the final great struggle of good against evil. When one adds to this the call everywhere for global government and with it the drive toward a new world order financial system, you must know that we are on the verge of great global change and upheaval. Are you listening? Many Christians, quite frankly, are unprepared for this hour that is about to befall the church. The dragon is coming after Israel. The dragon is coming after her offspring, those who keep the commandments of God and of Jesus Christ. He is coming after the church. The trap in this regard is rapidly being set. Thankfully, Michael, by the prayers of God's people, has asserted the victory that Jesus won on the cross. The male child, birthed out of Israel, will come again. He will evict the devil. And he will rule the nations in righteousness and peace. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. This is Malcolm Heading.